0: This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the Only on Unity
0: Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: Exploring our oneness with Spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio.
2: to spirit of recovery where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus PhD now here's your host Reverend Anna Schaus
0: welcome to spirit of recovery the place where spirituality and recovery meet where we support your spiritual growth in recovery my name is Anna Schaus and I'm your host And I want to thank you all for joining us today. I'm very glad that you're listening. And thank you so much for liking Spirit of Recovery on Facebook. It's great to get those likes. And thank you for uh, your comments on our posts. And uh, thank you for letting me know what's happening for you and your spirituality and recovery journey. It's great to know that what we're doing here on Spirit of Recovery is making a difference. For you, it's it's just a real joy to hear about that. And thank you for letting the friends and the people in your recovery community, your unity community, and your other spiritual communities know about us here on the spirit of recovery. I love the opportunity to broadcast about recovery and spirituality right here on UnityOnlineRadio.org. And um, again, so glad to know that the guests that I'm bringing on here are making a difference to you, that they're touching your heart, that they're opening up your mind and inspiring you with some new ideas and some uh, broad pictures and some deep pictures of what's possible in recovery Every week we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. My guests are either people who are in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people or sometimes all of the above. And my guests are always bringing practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen live. You can listen via your computer. You can listen via your smart device. You can go to Stitcher.com and download their app and search for Spirit of Recovery. You can also listen on demand. We've got lots of great archived programs. Just go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash recovery. Also, I want you to know that if you like what's happening on Spirit of Recovery and or the other many great programs on UnityOnlineRadio.org, you can help to... Support financially this great radio network. It is a non-profit endeavor. You can do that very easily by using your smartphone and just text Unity Radio to 72727 and you can either make an ongoing or a one-time financial contribution if you would like to. I want you to know that spirit of recovery is a welcoming place so that if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member or friend of someone who has the disease of addiction, perhaps as a family member or friend, you might be in your own process of recovery as a family member or friend. Whether you or your loved ones or your friends are or are not in the recovery process, I'm glad you're listening. You're welcome. You're welcome to phone in or write in a comment or question, email it in uh, for my guest. Um, We're glad that you're here participating. Perhaps you're just curious about the process of recovery and looking for information. I'm glad that you're here. And again, you're welcome to participate in our discussion if you would like to with a comment or question phoned in or emailed in. Today, our program is spirituality and creativity, the divine connection. You know, all of us uh, humans are seeking to connect with that energy that takes us from the mundane uh, world, just the day to day stuff that we got to do into that experience of the divine. And Carl Jung, the great psychiatrist who um, actually did uh, perhaps inadvertently to him play a role in the founding of the recovery movement in Alcoholics Anonymous as he did um, help one of the those early folks and gave them some ideas which was part of what led to the founding of alcoholics anonymous. Carl Jung wrote this. He said that when people are uh, addiction is really has to do with people looking for god but knocking at the wrong address. And so uh, that certainly is related to creativity. People looking for that connection with the divine, that connection with that creative life force but knocking at the wrong address. So people who make their living as writers, actors, artists, and actually all of us, because it's true that all of us are innately creative, that as we seek to express creatively, we may find that um, recovery will show us that way to the so-called, anyway, quote, right address, or really our true connection with spirituality. My guest today is uniquely qualified to talk about uh, spirituality and creativity, and I know you're going to enjoy what he has to say. He is a man of many talents and lots of energy, and um, does a lot of things to get that creative spark flowing and to support other people with that. My guest is Leonard Bichelle. He is the, uh, has the credential of CADCA, and that means he's a Certified Substance Abuse Counselor in California. He's also a publisher. Leonard is the founder of Writers in Treatment. He is the founder of The Real, R-E-E-L, Recovery Film Festival, and The Recovery slash addiction e-bulletin. And he's going to share with us today what it means to find that divine connection. You can learn more about Leonard's work if you go to www.writersintreatment.org and that's spelled just the way it sounds, writersintreatment.org. So Leonard's going to be telling us about his work today and how it is that he's engaged with the creative community. So Leonard, welcome to Spirit of Recovery.
3: So much, Anna, for inviting me today. Uh, it's an honor and a privilege to be involved in in anything that allows people to express themselves and also absorb some new information, some new stories, uh, maybe some new jokes. Uh, after all, humor is uh, as essential to the to the to the human condition as music, and hopefully, we can provide a little bit of that today and i wanted to mention that when you were talking about carl jung uh i have to thank carl jung personally if i could uh for actually making one of the biggest differences in my life 21 years ago when i was uh in a rehab and it was my second night and i was thinking of leaving because I felt it was some sort of uh conspiracy or some some sort of cult, and I remember checking in and having my blood taken and going through the uh the nurse's station and and saying to her, They're not going to brainwash me, are they and she said, No, 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 they're not going to brainwash you not that not that it couldn't have used a little rinsing, but she said no." And just then, someone came to get me to take me to my room, and they handed me a big book, and it went thump in my palm of my hand, and I thought, "Oh my God!" You know, it, it felt as though they had just given me a copy of Mein Kampf or or, or, the, or the or the or the Bible. It had such a, a, a gravitas to it, which you know, which frightened me at first, and then two nights later, as I was reading, you know jumping around, I didn't start at the beginning, Uh, I kept thinking, this is not really me. This is not for me. And I'm thinking of leaving, and just then I read the passage towards the beginning, which basically talks about the relationship that Bill Wilson had with Carl Jung and the letters that they exchanged, and here was Carl Jung completely endorsing whatever it is... Whatever journey I was about to embark on, there he was with his famous quote uh, called Spiritus Contra Spiritus, uh, alluding to what you were talking about, that people look for spirit in the bottle that we refer to as spirits, uh, but they are also looking for the bigger spirit. And I thought, well, okay, I like Carl Jung. And then I went into the main room, the main hall, where the steps, the 12 steps of alcohol Anonymous, were engraved into the marble wall. And I said, oh, I, you know, God this and God that. And uh, the first opportunity, I, I, I got to make a phone call. I called my brother, and I said, I don't know if I can stay here. You know, I like the Carl Jung endorsement, but everything else seems to be about God. And he says to me, he says, but Leonard, didn't you go to Japan to at the Zen temples a few years ago. I said, well, yeah. And he said, didn't you go to Jerusalem when you were 20 years old to pray at the Wailing Wall? I said, well, yeah, I prayed at the Wailing Wall, but then I also smuggled some hashish back to Philadelphia. So it was sort of like a, multi, a multi-purpose trip. But I guess even people who initially start uh, smoking hashish or marijuana... Uh, oftentimes, say it gives them a a little bit of a a lazy man's way to enlightenment. Of course, it doesn't last long. But please excuse the ambulance behind me. I am in Manhattan, and the windows closed. Mm-hmm. But I guess uh, they have uh, a lot of <laughs> a lot of people trying to help other people in this town. So thank God for ambulance drivers.
0: That's right. Helps on the way when you hear the ambulance. So that's a good sign.
3: Yes. Yeah. Especially when they pass you by.
0: Right. Right. That's right. So you were in so your brother was pointing out to you that you'd been engaged in a search for God or, or spirit or whatever word you called it for but but you didn't, weren't equating that with what you were seeing, it sounds like in the treatment center.
3: No, I wasn't. No. Um, but I did come to understand that that uh even my son, who is now uh, 19 years sober, he got clean and sober when he was 19, uh, he, he came home one day and he said, Dad, I want to go into treatment. And he knew the expression because I was working as a drug counselor.
4: Mm-hmm. And
3: he says, I want to go into treatment. I said, okay. Uh, and, I, and then he said, but just for like a week or two. And I laughed. I said, well... You can't go for a week or two. You have to go for a month, and uh, I won't send you to any of that. I promise I won't send you to any of those adolescent facilities where you'll probably learn more bad habits than you already have. We'll go to a, 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 a real treatment center where I believe most of the people there are, are there because they, they want to be there, and... Uh, it's funny, I was an alumni of, of the, the Betty Ford organization and they gave him a fabulous scholarship and on January first, uh, fifteen years ago, I I was driving my son to rehab. It was, it was a strange feeling, sort of feeling like I was driving him to my alma mater. Hmm. Like as if it mm-hmm. was as if it was Princeton or Yale. Like, mm-hmm. oh well you're going to get to go where I went and it's, it's and experienced some of the wonderful things, and learn some of the uh, the useful things that I learned, mm-hmm. and uh, and that was 15 years ago. So mm-hmm. that's a a nice family affair. But in terms of the seeking, oh he oh he. Here's what goes back to your question. I said, "How come you've stayed clean and sober for 15 years?" And he said because this has sort of provided me with all the spiritual and psychological yearnings I had growing up. Mm. So this sort of provides me with all the reasons that I was getting high, you know, to feel connected, to feel happy, to, to be, uh, you know, responsible and, and and so many other things that that are the gifts of, of recovery. And so, yes, I feel the same way. Because who else? would choose to live with no booze, no weed, no cocaine, and no feel-good pills. I mean, in my mind, the only people who do that are monks and Mormons Mm -hmm. and and people in recovery.
4: Uh Uh-huh. It
3: it seems like it's a a supernatural way to live. I don't think it's a natural way to live, Uh, but I embrace it wholeheartedly because I stayed sober now for the some of the same reasons I started using drugs as a as a teenager was because I wanted to be unique. And so I don't think there's any more unique lifestyle than than an abstinence based clean and sober existence. And I guess when I said I started using drugs as a teenager to be unique will let you know how old I was how old I am. Because there weren't all that many teenagers using When I started, of course, now, I don't know. I I wish some high schoolers would call in and and guess at the percentage of their fellow students who do or don't get high at this point on something, even if it's only on doctor-prescribed Ritalin uh, or Adderall. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's a pretty pristine way to live. And it's true, I don't, I'm, I'm happy not to have gray areas of, well, I'll only drink on holidays or I'll only get high before going to a concert. You know, that would drive me crazy. I, I like the all or nothingness of it.
0: Right. Yeah. How has your spiritual journey Unfolded because you said obviously something happened to you, you know, back when you were first, uh, yourself getting into sobriety and you started opening up to spirit. And I know too that you are engaged in new thought, uh, spirituality. You're a part of the Agape Church in LA and, um, so, and you're a friend of unity. How did Mm -hmm. your, how did that change for you from Mm -hmm. that initial, uh, wondering about
3: all that stuff? When I was uh, at the rehab, three days, three days after getting there, uh, I had an experience which I'm reluctant to talk about sometimes because I'm afraid people either will will be envious or won't believe me. But when when I was using, I couldn't leave the house for a weekend without a bag of mushrooms, a bottle of tequila, twelve joints, some percadan, some hits of ecstasy, and some Valium to you know to, to go to sleep. And when I was third day in in treatment, I walked outside, I walked out alone, and in about three seconds it felt like and I'll use the word hand just to give it a little Christian flavor. But something went from my feet to my toes as if it was pulling something out of me, like almost like an exorcism, which I fortunately have never actually needed, but if if I would imagine what it felt like, all the desire for drugs left me in a few seconds. It was like having a, a tooth pulled with a ton of Novocaine or you feel it happening, but it doesn't hurt, but you feel it, and it's a little uncomfortable. Actually, it's uncomfortable, and from that moment, which is 21 years ago, I have not had any desire for drugs, and I have been using every day of my life for 26 years, uh, and part of that miracle, and I do feel it was a miracle, because... I would never have been believed that you could go a day without it. You wouldn't want to smoke marijuana at least once a day, even if you had given up harder drugs or more dangerous drugs. Uh, but I haven't wanted to smoke a joint in in a long time. Sometimes I miss it at a jazz club, but, but I, I let it go. Uh, so it, it didn't take away my desire to drink, which... Thank God it keeps me going to meetings uh, twice a week, having two commitments a week for the last 20-some years. Uh, So it sort of gave me a fellowship. I think if it had just taken away everything, I would have thought, I don't need anybody, I don't need to pray, I don't need to do steps. But it, it took it away, and when I moved to L.A. from San Francisco... Uh, I had about a year's clean, sober, and I asked a friend of mine in the program, I said, do you know any good Sunday morning meetings? He says, no, I don't know of any meetings, but I know this other place we should go. Hang on to that, Leonard.
0: It's time for our break.
3: But we're going to come
0: back and hear about where you went on Sunday mornings. Listeners, stay with us. We're talking about spirituality and creativity, the divine connection. My guest is Leonard Bichel, and we'll be right back on Spirit of Recovery. Stay with us.
5: Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you, who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, Help animals and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
1: Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on A Course in Miracles with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free every Friday at 2 p.m. Central here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. And our topic today is spirituality and creativity, the divine connection. My guest is Leonard Bouchel. He's a certified uh, and substance abuse counselor in the state of California. He's also a publisher, and he is the founder of Writers in Treatment, which is a program that makes sure that those in the arts do get into uh Treatment programs. If they are looking for treatment recovery from addiction, he also is the founder of the Real Recovery Film Festival, and that's R E E L. And we'll be talking about that today. And he also is the publisher of the Recovery Slash Addiction E Bulletin, which is an uh, an email that you can get if you're interested. And uh, Leonard is definitely qualified to talk about spirituality and creativity and that divine connection. And he is sharing with us. Today about that. You can learn more about Leonard's work and I invite you to do that if you go to www.writersintreatment.org and it's spelled just the way it sounds, writersintreatment.org. Before I get back to my conversation with Leonard, I invite you to join me for a moment in the Serenity Minute, a moment to relax, to uh, share a constructive idea, and to make that conscious contact with your higher power as you understand it. So I do invite you to relax, to be aware of yourself, to take a breath, to feel your breath as it comes in and goes out. To allow yourself to relax, noticing your relaxation in your body temple, relaxing from the crown of your head all the way through your body, through the tips of your toes. Allow your mind to relax and open. Allow the thoughts to just drift to the edges of your awareness. Allow your heart to open and let the love that you are flow through your heart. And share with me this constructive idea. I am one. With the creative life of spirit, creativity flows through me. I am one with the creative life of spirit. Creativity flows through me. And now we take a moment in the quiet. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute, and I hope that it was an opportunity for you to make conscious contact with your higher power to feel that love and that creative life that is who you are. And now we're back to our conversation, my conversation, with my guest, Leonard Bouchel. So, Leonard, before the break... You were telling us about where you were going on Sunday mornings. A friend of yours took you someplace. He said he didn't know of any meetings, but he knew of another place. So where were you going?
3: Well, we went to a little church called the Agape International uh, Spiritual Center, and I got to experience Reverend Michael Beckwith for the first time, uh, which is sort of looking at the sun for the first time. Mm -hmm. or the Grand Canyon, or the Eiffel Tower. And it was a remarkable morning, and I felt uplifted. Uh, I went on to become a regular attendee and take the classes, uh, the Science of Mind classes, and do the exercises. And, of course, I didn't give up the 12-step meetings. And I always considered uh, when people in the program would say, "What's, what's the... Agape like I would say it's like AA the musical. <laughs> it's it, it's everything you get at and, and, and more. And I had the privilege of five years ago going to uh, Maui, Hawaii for five days to do a workshop with Reverend Michael and Ramdas
4: mm-hmm. and
3: also also Jah Utah, uh singer, uh Kirtan genius. We chanted at night, and there was a yoga instructor from Australia whose name I forget. And then Ramdas would give a little talk, and we'd have lunch, and then Reverend Michael would give a talk. And sometimes they would, they would—I call it perform together—because watching Reverend Michael and Ramdas was like watching John Coltrane and Charlie Parker, you know, riffing and riffing off what each other said, and you know, starting a thought. It was just. It was, it was beautiful. It was really uh, a spiritual uh, jam session, if ever there was one. And and, and I remember when I was 18 reading Ramdas's classic book, Be Here Now, mm-hmm. uh, which read that from cover to cover. You can't help but be put on a new path. And I think even if there's one of the quotes in there, like, once you're on the path, you can never get off. You might stop along the way and not. progressing. Once you start, it's really painful to get off the path. It's painful to stay on the path as well because we all know, you know, try and get conscious and see how many issues and problems that brings up. Uh, But it it was a a glorious Sunday morning and I still attend not quite as regularly as I used to uh, because even Michael said, if you're still coming here 10 years later and you haven't solved and you're still having the same issues, You're not, you know, you're getting the message, but you're not really putting anything into practice. And uh, I did go a month ago, there was a special night with Dr. Bruce Lipton, uh, the author of Biology of Belief. I don't know if you've had him on the show, but it was one of the more extraordinary talks I've seen. Uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton, uh, Mm -hmm. truly remarkable. And he was totally uplifted. Because it was you know, the choir did a number or two before his talk and Reverend Michael gave him a fabulous introduction. He comes out on stage as if he wasn't even walking on the ground and then mm-hmm. goes launches into his brilliant talk. And I'm sure most of your listeners have heard of Dr. Bruce Lipton and the Biology of belief. There's lots of good YouTube videos of him. Mm-hmm. And and it just you know reminds me of yeah, somehow I got very lucky when I was 18. I was living in Philadelphia. Uh, a friend of mine said, we're going to see an Englishman give a talk. And I remember it was actually at a synagogue outside Philly, and it was a synagogue designed by by Frank Lloyd Wright. And so it's an amazing place. And And the speaker was Alan Watts. And mm. Alan Watts, who we all know and love now and will always continue to know and love, gave a talk, blew my mind, and when I went to meet him afterwards, he was wearing the same pair of black pointy Italian shoes that I was wearing. And I mm-hmm. thought, wow, this means something. <laughs> this, this, this man, this minister, this savant, this, this, this sage, this, this, you know, this, this gentleman who's been to Satori and back, we're wearing the same shoes. You know. I we all know that, you know, to walk a mile in another person's shoes. I said, Well, I'm wearing his shoes. I wish it was that easy to gain his knowledge and information. Now fortunately, not everyone or fortunately, I don't know, you know, the poor man who did bring Zen to America and still has hours and hours of great talks available. Online and on cassettes, uh, did die of of alcoholism. Of
0: alcoholism, yes, he did. A lot of people. Yeah. You know, it, it, it,
3: mm-hmm. it, it wasn't like a flamboyant death. I think his liver just gave out, or some other organs gave out. And uh, and and ironically, if you ever go to Big Sur, California, there's a little retreat place there called Esalen. And on Tuesday nights. There is an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting in the Allen Watts room. I'm so glad to was, hear
0: that. I didn't know that they had one at Esalen, but I'm glad to hear it.
3: Which I always thought was kind of ironic. Okay. Uh, obviously, they use the room for a lot of other things, but on Tuesday night, it happens to be where they let the local sober people have an AA meeting. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, so let let me ask you this that so you got you heard Alan Watts you know at the time in your life where you were still I'm guessing active in your addiction. How has yeah. your spirituality changed? what's your spiritual practice and your perspective now mm-hmm. in your life? How's it different from uh what it was then, even though you were contact you were reading you know you were hearing these great right. sp- speakers. What's different now?
3: Well, I'm no longer a hypocrite. Mm-hmm. So that's a great relief because if you're smoking pot to get high and then you try to, you know, you know, talk about or quote some famous spiritual leader but you're still addicted to drugs, it makes you a, a hypocrite. So I, I'm no longer a hypocrite. Uh, I do a sitting meditation every morning uh, for the last 20 years. Uh, I light some incense. I sit still. Uh, initially, I would I, I would use an egg timer with a little sand through the hourglass. It's, you know, the whole, you know, mystery of life is there. If you can look closely enough, uh, the sand is good. You know, to time myself, I didn't want to use any electronic gadget because I'm too hip for that or, you know, too hip, much of a hippie. So get an hourglass and just sit there Um uh, I started using the Hazelden book 24 hours a day or 24 hours at a time. It's a little black, thin book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for the first three years of my recovery, I would literally write out, it comes in three sections. There's like a little uh, dogmatic pitch on the page, and then there's like a prayer of the day and a meditation for the day. So I wouldn't do the little dogmatic pitch, but I would write down the prayer of the day and the meditation for the day, i'd write it out longhand as if I was a scribe, as if I was back there in medieval times where you, the only way you had a book was to, to copy it from another book. And I would just, you know, be so turned on by the sound of the pen going on the paper as, was, as it was writing down these words of wisdom. And because I needed to do something to show me that my life had changed from using. I have also, to my son's (laughs) amazement, I have kept a journal every night before I go to bed. And it's not a journal of my feelings, but it just recounts my day. It just recounts my day. So I have dozens of spiral-bound books. So if you ask me where were you on Thanksgiving in 1998? I, w- I could go to my book and I would tell you.
4: Mm-hmm. you know, like I said,
3: I don't write a lot, but just to remind myself that I actually lived that day and that I'm not too stoned or drunk to take five minutes to write something down. So I make my intention tangible with the written word uh, by writing down something. Mm-hmm. And before I... and, and and then and this is very private but uh and then I will bow in front of a a bookshelf I have with pictures of my parents and my grandparents on it. so mm-hmm. I was taught very early on by misho Kushi uh the founder of Mac the man who brought Macrobiotics to America that you have to acknowledge your your ancestors every day you have to thank them for doing whatever it is they did to, to get, to become vehicles for you to come through the almighty to get to earth. So I bow and I thank my ancestors for giving me life. And then I go over to the window and I uh, do a little, uh, it's, a, it's a perversion of the sun salutation uh, where I, I allow the, all the energy of the universe to come through me. And then I go and I make some green tea and I start my day. But I would feel uncomfortable and awkward. And, of course, there are times when I'm sitting there in front of my altar where I have a picture of, uh, of Jesus the Christ and I have a little bowl of water, a little bowl of rice, and a little bowl of salt. Basically a Japanese tradition of this is all you really need to live is water, salt, and, a, and rice or any and a grain. And and when I'm sitting there, I, 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 sometimes I think, I can't wait to get up from here and start my day. And there's other times I'll be sitting there and thinking, I wish I could just sit here all day, because this seems more real than the rest of the world. You know, sometimes I can't wait to jump up Mm-hmm. And make a phone call and check my email. And other times, I just wish I could sit there forever.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, mm-hmm. So I—that's I, I, that's my little rituals. Uh I think uh, you have to—you can't just read spiritual books. You have to do something. You have to do something. Otherwise, it's like reading books on being an automobile mechanic but never opening up the hood and taking out a wrench and, you know, turning some bolts.
4: Mm-hmm. So it's it's
3: not much. I, I don't volunteer at a soup kitchen once, uh, once uh, a week. Uh, I do. I am of service in the program. Uh, like I said, I've had two commitments a week for many, many years. I just feel like i need to be wanted i need to be needed and and i you know i as they say for anybody in any of the 12 step programs i suit up and i show up i do what's asked of me and then i stay out of the results and and just go about about my business and and i guess uh you know the real recovery film festival which is now in seven cities right uh, you
4: know, yes yeah. how do i get this is
0: a big uh, service. This is, I think, one big way you are of service, Leonard. Is you start? You started this, didn't you? Real recovery. Just, it was seven
3: years ago. It was seven uh-huh. years ago in Los Angeles. Uh-huh. Uh, I was friends with a, a gentleman named Vernon, whose father was a very well-known uh, entertainment columnist. He loved movies. I loved movies. I said, "Wouldn't it be great to show to new people or young people in a theater?" some of the great classics like Leaving Las Vegas or The Lost Weekend, or The Days of Wine and Roses. And so we rented a theater for seven nights and showed a classic film. And we would invite different clinicians to come and do a talk after each movie. So we didn't just show uh, a movie like Less Than Zero and then send people home. We would always have a what I call a mini process group afterwards people could talk about characters they could relate to or things that, you know, might have felt like triggers or, you know, inevitably these movies make sober people grateful that they're not using anymore and it makes people who are still using a little uncomfortable or a little bit hopefully curious to know what it would be like uh, to get off substances if they have a problem with it. Obviously, people who drink and use drugs... Recreationally and socially and mindfully, you know, I have no problem with. But uh, for the people who know, they're you know on the edge, uh, where they might have crossed that invisible line, as we say. Uh, they go away thinking, "Hmm, this audience is pretty happy. This audience is pretty interesting. Uh, this isn't such a bad group of people to maybe want to hang out with." Whereas maybe if they went to an AA meeting right away they might feel a little bit, uh, you know, put off.
0: Right. But- Hold on to that. It's, it's time for our second break. Um, we'll come right back and hear some more about the Real Recovery uh, festi- Film Festival. Mm-hmm. My guest is Leonard Bouchelle. Our topic today is spirituality and creativity, the divine connection, and this is Spirit of Recovery. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
2: We're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with your host, Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. And now, here's Anna.
0: Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your host. Our topic today is Spirituality and Creativity, the Divine Connection. And my guest is Leonard Vichelle. He is a certified alcohol and drug substance abuse counselor in the state of California. He's also a publisher. He's the founder of Writers in Treatment. He's the founder of The Real, R-E-E-L, Recovery Film Festival, and the Recovery Addiction E Bulletin. And you can learn more about what he does at www.writersintreatment.org. And uh, he'll be sharing with us about that. So, Leonard, tell us some more about the Real Recovery Film Festival. The seventh annual one, I believe, is coming up. Mm -hmm. So tell us more about it and how people can see it and so forth and learn about it.
3: Well, fortunately, after the first year where we relied on Hollywood Classics, uh, we started to get submissions of, of films from literally all over the world. Uh, films that are very high quality, very well done, uh, but they're not feature-length films that might end up at the multiplex or even at the local art house. So we've been very grateful that we've given a lot of young filmmakers an audience and a venue uh, for their work to be seen on the big screen and not just on on YouTube. Uh, in fact, seven years ago, when we started the festival, I said, "Now, anybody with a thousand dollars can buy good enough equipment, <clears throat> and if they have a <clears throat> excuse me, if they have a good idea <clears throat> and some good friends, they can make a movie that's projectable. You know, five, ten years ago, that would have cost ten thousand dollars." Now, it doesn't even cost anything more than your, your cell phone. Anyway, the point is we get great, innovative, interesting documentaries, really imaginative shorts and features from all over the country. Uh, the film festival in Los Angeles is the longest recovery event in the country, seven days, and we started doing a seven-day event in New York four years ago. And we give away thousands of tickets so that no one, for lack of 5 or $10, can't get into the feature. And we don't just show films. We also do panel discussions. Uh, We have guest speakers in in Los Angeles this year. Next month, we'll have a a conversation with Dr. Gabor Mate, who wrote that great book, In the Realm of Hungry Ghost. We'll be in conversation uh, with the actress, Ione Skye. Talking about you know, a number of interesting topics, and in Los, in New York uh, in October, we'll be having a panel discussion called "Harm Reduction or or Abstinence." Because there's a lot of discussions around the country about what's better, harm reduction or abstinence, and so we have some really top-notch people who are going to address that issue. We are also having Uh, The great author Susan Cheever who wrote that amazing book called Bill W. Uh, She has a new book coming out called uh, The History of Drinking in America and she'll be there reading from her new book and doing a a talk uh, in in conversation with someone. So it's a lot of great films. No one gets turned away for lack of funds. We are in Houston next weekend. Uh, We have a three-day festival in Houston, Texas. It's Online, You can just go to realrecoveryfilmfestival.org, and real is R-E-E-L. Then we have a Los Angeles Film Festival, or New York, then Los Angeles, and then Fort Lauderdale the first weekend in November, Fort Lauderdale. and, And then next year again, we'll be back in Las Vegas and San Francisco. And we are talking with people even on the island of Bermuda right now about bringing the film festival there. So it's becoming, a, you know, a nice alternative recovery event. That's not a meeting. It's not an AA dance. Uh, it's it's something where people can sit down in a dark room, sh- have a shared experience, talk about it afterwards, and and you know, hopefully, have been inspired, entertained, and and uh, educated, perhaps even a little bit. That's
0: great. So. so- Wonderful open
3: door for people, for sure. Yeah, and we start, the reason you mentioned Writers in Treatment, which is an organization I started seven years ago in Los Angeles, based on the work of a gentleman named Buddy Arnold, who passed away in 2003. Buddy Arnold was the founder of the Musician's Assistance Program in L.A. He was a New York saxophone player, ended up on Junk, ended up in L.A., ended up getting sober. And started helping musicians who needed rehab go into rehab. Uh, that has since morphed into music cares, which I know a lot of musicians have heard of, especially in recovery. And mm-hmm. so we wanted to do something similar for people in the writing industry, uh, called writers in treatment. And, and we were getting people into rehab every couple of months, uh, journalists, we had an essayist. Uh, a novelist, uh, people who made their living from the written word. Fortunately, in America, uh, because of the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare, there is more money available for people who need treatment than ever. And we still give out scholarships, but it turns out now that there are places that give out scholarships that don't have to anymore because they can get federal funding from Obamacare. So anybody that says it's really hard to find funding for treatment, they haven't looked hard enough. Uh, mm-hmm. It's it's gotten much better in the last few years. So we're, we're always available to offer appropriate referrals to facilities that we think are doing a great job because uh, I think an equal amount are Totally saving lives, and there might be others that 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 are you know are a little suspect. Uh, but I believe you know, there are so many great treatment centers in this country that are saving so many lives a year, and there's not enough attention paid to that. You know, all the news is bad news. All the news that gets on the news is bad news. All about overdoses and accidents and. And, uh, and now I know there's going to be a big rally in, in, on October 4th in Washington, D.C., so if anybody's into that, I'm sure it'll be a party. I can't make it from L.A. for a day to D.C., but there's going to be a rally, and people will show up and say, we're in recovery, we're wonderful, beautiful people, we're great fathers, we're great brothers, we're great sons and daughters, and all we want to let people know is that we were messed up we were in trouble. We were knocking on the devil's door, and now we're clean and sober, and we're healthy. We're not a secretive. It's not a secret organization. Uh, no one represents AA. My sponsor will be very pissed at me for mentioning that I'm in AA on this interview, but I think there's a new paradigm. I think there's a new paradigm. You know, it was proven when... Philip Seymour Hoffman overdosed on heroin in his apartment in New York, the man who had everything, who was everything, who everybody loved, who had been very well-known to be in recovery. He went out, scored some dope, and died. And I didn't see any articles blaming AA. People used to say, oh, if people know you're in AA or a famous person is in AA and they relapse, people are going to say, oh, AA doesn't work. No one says that anymore. That's a really old paradigm. People say, hey, the person messed up, or, hey, it's a disease. You know, they couldn't conquer it. But nobody blames AA for anything anymore. In fact, unfortunately, the membership of AA is going down a little. The latest statistics say there aren't as many people there, and that's that's because the pharmaceutical industry is trying to, you know, take over the recovery industry. You can't go to rehab. Nowadays, without ending up on medication, but that's another talk for more learned doctors and psychiatrists and policymakers than is what I am. I'm just a, you know, a film festival buff and a, a curator. And there's a lot of great articles. In the weekly addiction recovery e bulletin.
0: Yes, tell us it's, about it's, that. I get that. I'm a subscriber. How can people repeat it and find it? Go me?
3: just go online addictionrecoveryebulletin.org. dot uh, org. It the homepage changes every Tuesday. Uh, there's a button on there where you can subscribe, so it gets sent to you every Tuesday. Uh, there's a new newsletter on there today. Uh, if this is uh, Tuesday, where you are, it's addiction recovery e bulletin, and there's a lot of great new science studies, uh, you know, current events, news, governmental policy news on there. There's a lot of good stuff that drug counselors can use to create uh, group topics. When I was working as a drug counselor years ago, I asked someone, I said, Where is there a list of topics for, for my group therapy? And they said there isn't one. So I created this newsletter in addition uh, to to give every counselor can find some story in there that they can print out and use as a group topic. And it will definitely get your clients uh, motivated and interested or or frightened. You know, fear is a good motivating factor uh, in early recovery. Uh, So there's a lot of scary articles on there. Uh, There's one gruesome article there today, and I'll I'll mention it just because it's so unique. It's a a photograph of a mother and her two children posing in front of their dead father's coffin. Mm.
4: The lid is
3: open, so you see the husband, the mother, and the two children. They're smiling. He's not smiling. Uh he died of a drug overdose mm-hmm. and the mother thought the wife thought this photograph would be so morbidly fascinating that it would help get the message out that you can die from drugs okay and there is help available and so it's it you know it's 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 a it's a national inquiry type photograph but the wife did it herself and it's on the e-bulletin today because I thought it had news. It was newsworthy, and she's trying to make a point. And, right. and there's another. And one last thing, and I know because it's getting late. There's another story on there that when people die of drug overdoses, most newspaper notices don't say that. Mm-hmm. But there is now a whole movement that if your kid or your brother dies, that's what they put in the obituary. That we're not ashamed, it's a tragedy, it's not a shameful thing, it's not a sin, yeah, it's it's a tragedy, it's a disease, it's not a disease, but it is a tragedy. Right. And so people are saying, hey, let's, let's spread the word and maybe save a few lives.
0: That's right. Leonard, I want to thank you for being a real part of Spreading the word and for being engaged in your own creativity, obviously you're a very creative person and you're one of those generative persons that you start, you know, you found things that make a difference and get the word out. And what's your take again? You have another take, I think, on the Carl Jung quote about knocking Uh it down the
3: dress. we will it up. Yeah. But for years I spent climbing to the top of the mountain. And when I got to rehab 21 years ago, I thought, Oh shit, wrong mountain. Oh. So now I am slowly climbing up the new mountain of love and service and creativity and humor and trying to be uh, you know, a positive force for good in the world. And you so are that's, that's my take, and so are you. This has been awesome and I can't wait to listen to some of your archive shows and, and uh, meet you in person one of these days.
0: That sounds great. Leonard, thank you so much for being my guest, and thank you for what you're doing in the world. And uh, we'll look you up on writersandtreatment.org and Addiction Recovery Bulletin and annual REEL Recovery Film Festival and all that great work that you're doing from that creative place and connecting with the creativity in all of us. Thank you so much, and God bless. Thank you.
3: Music and poem and poetry to you and peace and blessings.
0: Thank you. And blessings to you, Thank you listeners. Anna. Thank you. And y'all have a wonderful week and we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery.
2: Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org.